Welcome back to Your Rights Matter, the podcast where we look at getting the rights you're entitled to and helping you navigate your way through the often complicated system. This series is brought to you by Living with Asperger's in South Wales. Their mission is to create a fair and inclusive society for those living with disabilities. I am joined by Kester Dean, Disability Rights Advisor, and together we are here to help. From contacting your local authority, applying for PIP, using courts and tribunals, all in one easy-to-listen mini-series. For Living with Asperger's, I'm Harry Bly. This is Your Rights Matter. In episode two, we are talking about PIP, personal independence payments. This replaced something that used to be called DLA, Disability Living Allowance. So Kester, what is PIP? It's a benefit for disabled people to meet the extra costs of disability, both for mobility aspects and daily living aspects. It was brought in with a savings target of £1.5 billion per year, which is what creates the problems with it because they contrive reasons not to give it to people because of that. So how is PIP different to the classic DLA that we used to find? So with PIP, it's a point system. um, And there's also a greater focus on face-to-face assessments than there was with DLA. And the government's idea was it would be shorter-term awards with people being continually reassessed. See, this has fallen foul of the UN, um, as well as common sense. And so Esther McVeigh, the previous Secretary of State, did say she was reducing repeated reassessments for PIP. Um, But the idea was that the government said that DLA was being given out willy-nilly, which it never was, but it said it was, and it said that it needed PIP so that people could be assessed by them to check that they were genuine claimants. So what are the sort of problems people are facing now with PIP? The main problem with PIP is the face-to-face consultations. The assessments aren't accurate. The assessors often don't understand particular impairments, particularly hidden disabilities, such as autism and deafness, for example, are two areas which are very, very poorly assessed. Um, And the reports tend to bear no resemblance at all to the claimant's actual experience. And the problem is, is once one of those face-to-face consultations is done, the DWP always believes it and follows it, even if... It's nothing like all the other evidence that's available from specialists and from the claimant's own testimony. Someone who might be listening may be considering applying for PIP. When does someone need to consider applying to PIP and how do they go about it? If you're disabled and have extra costs because you're disabled, then get in a claim for PIP. Um, Make sure that when you do it, if you're called for a face-to-face assessment, get it recorded. You're allowed to do that. The government said that's fine. You can either record it yourself and tell them you're doing it, or you can get them to do it. But make sure you do, because if they do then misrepresent you in it, you've then got come back. If you haven't got any evidence that that's what's happened, it's much harder because it's just going to be your word against them. So one of the topics we wanted to discuss was making the most of PIP. How can people go about doing that? The main thing to do is get your assessment recorded. Also, 
Make sure that you understand the descriptors. This is the point scoring system. Have a look at them. They're available online, for example, on the Citizens Advice website or my website. Um, and see where your needs match up to those. If you can score a minimum of eight points, then you're entitled to payments and it's worth making a claim. But do that first so that you're clear about the basis on which you're claiming. Because they won't pay you just because you've got a condition. They'll only pay you if your needs match the descriptors. So that's what you need to look at. Can we expect PIP to become easier in the future? PIP is getting better, arguably, because the case law has been quite good. For example, the main one is a case I was involved in on what safely means. If you can't do something safely, then you're considered not to be able to do it at all and therefore score the points for it. Safely, the DWP thought meant, is you've got to be an urgent and pressing risk of a problem occurring. But that's not what the upper tribunal decided. It decided that if something could happen, it's more about the severity of the consequences if it did happen. So, for example... If you um, need a hearing aid and if you can't hear a fire alarm without your hearing aid in, then you can't have a shower safely. It's the house probably isn't going to burn down whilst you're having a shower without your hearing aid in. Um, but if it did, the implications are so horrifying that you can't bathe or shower safely. If you apply that to, say, epilepsy, you could have a fit while you were crossing the road. That means you cannot undertake a journey safely because of that, etc. Next time on Your Rights Matter, we are talking about the Equality Act rights in services. Everything from your work to local authorities. Do join us then. Thanks for listening. With thanks to Kester, for more information on your rights, go to his website, kesterdisabilityrights.com. To learn more about Living With Asperger's, visit livingwithaspergers.co.uk. With music by Scott Holmes. You can find more episodes and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For Living With Asperger's, I'm Harry Bly. You've been listening to Your Rights Matter. <laughs>